0: Thank you for listening to The Leader. We bring you The Evening Standard's news analysis and commentary every day at 4pm. You can subscribe through your podcast provider and please do share the show with your friends. Now, from The Evening Standard in London, this is The Leader. Hi, I'm David Marsland. Locking down doors and shutting up shop. How fear is following the coronavirus spread in China.
1: Toyota shut down several of its plants there. We've seen Starbucks close 2,000 of its 4,000 shops over there. McDonald's and KFC also closing stores. The Evening Standard's Alex
0: Lawson speaks to the leader as the UK prepares to fly its citizens out of Wuhan and straight into quarantine.
2: Also... When Boris Johnson became Prime Minister, I guess we all thought that the special relationship between Britain and the US would be improved through his friendship with Donald Trump. But it hasn't necessarily worked out that way.
0: US correspondent David Gardner on tension between the White House and Downing Street with America's Secretary of State Mike Pompeo in London. And...
3: Pistols, the clash, the buzzcocks, you know, the jam, the stranglers, they all played there. It just has a reputation for being a great place to see music.
0: Protecting grassroots music, arts correspondent Robert Dex hails special status being given to the iconic 100 Club in London. Taken from the Evening Standard's editorial column, this is the leader. For the whole thing, pick up the newspaper or head to standard.co.uk slash comment in a moment the devastating effect of a deadly virus.
4: Hi, I'm Lawrence Delalio, host of the Evening Standard rugby podcast brought to you in partnership with QBE Business Insurance. The show is available to listen to now and right up to the end of the season when the winners of the Champions Cup will be crowned at Tottenham Hotspur Stadium
0: With the streets empty, it's being compared to a ghost town. But the 11 million people who live there are refusing to be cowed by coronavirus. (laughs) Come on, Wuhan, they shouted from the windows of the homes many are all but confined to. Their defiance is a powerful message to the world and our editorial column says we must all hear it.
3: What should the response be? Alarm is natural. Panic can be avoided if the world works together. Already there are good signs. The World Health Organization is taking the lead. Work has begun in several places on a vaccine. It has a very good chance of being effective. Although even if it is ready for testing by the summer, it would not be set for widespread use until next winter. Through cooperation and openness, the coronavirus can be managed. But, as often happens with flu, the bad news is that things will get worse before they get better.
0: Well, the UK government's to begin flying home citizens from Wuhan, but they'll be kept isolated for two weeks, possibly in a military barracks. But if you're a civilian in the rest of mainland China, you might struggle to get out. BAs cancelled all flights into and out of the country. And they're not the only company shutting down operations there. Our business news editor Alex Lawson is with me. And Alex, what's happening in China?
1: Yes, yeah, so I think what we've seen is in the early days of the virus outbreak that the obvious companies you'd expect to be affected, the hoteliers, the travel companies, the retailers, including Burberry, which is one of the biggest uh, British brands, uh, have seen an effect. And now we're seeing that sort of next wave of companies react uh, to this outbreak. So today we've seen uh, Toyota shut down several of its plants there. We've seen Starbucks close two thousands of its 4,000 shops over there. McDonald's and KFC also closing stores. Uh, We've also seen British Airways suspend direct flights to mainland China until March. Uh, So we're really seeing the corporates uh, looking at this issue. Uh, The main things that they're doing uh, beyond that are ensuring that their staff are safe. So telling them to work from home, giving them hygiene advice uh, and making sure this thing doesn't spread any further. This must be hitting the markets. Uh, it is. Uh, and On the first few days of the outbreak, we saw significant falls of FTSE was down almost 2% on Monday, which is unusual. That has been tempered slightly from the music from the WHO, uh, which suggests that the outbreak isn't as bad as first feared. But it, just in today's paper, we've got veteran investor Mark Mobius saying that GDP uh, in China could be hit uh, by several basis points. Uh, he's a veteran of that market. He saw, saw the SARS outbreak. He was working in Hong Kong at the time. Uh, so a voice to be listened to there.
0: And as you've suggested, China itself is going to be hit by this.
1: Yeah, I think so. I mean, we've got to take the bigger picture, which is they're in the middle of a significant trade war with the US. Obviously, we've had The signs that Washington and Beijing are willing to work together and we've had some agreements there, but long term, it doesn't look like a great position to be in uh, for China. We've already seen economic growth there slowing uh, to around 6%, which is still a a knockout number, of course, um, but not the gains that it was uh, seeing before that. So this won't help that situation. So what does that mean for businesses over here? Well, of course, in London, we have see huge numbers of Chinese tourists coming every year and they're big spenders. In fact, during the uh, Chinese New Year period, the West End is full of shoppers after really high-end items. Uh, what we're likely to see is a slowdown in that number if this persists, uh, particularly companies we're looking at are the Again, hotels, retailers, uh, pub companies, they were estimated to spend around £700 million in the UK in that industry last year.
0: And you can read more from Alex in the newspaper. We also have up-to-the-minute coronavirus updates on our live blog at standard.co.uk. And for the latest video coverage, visit The Evening Standard on YouTube.
2: Next. I think it is absolutely vital that people in this country do have access to the best technology available but that we also do absolutely nothing to imperil our relationship with the United States.
0: Boris Johnson says Huawei's involvement with 5G in the UK won't affect the relationship with the US. Does Secretary of State Mike
4: Pompeo agree? wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks for listening.
0: The US Secretary of State Mike Pompeo is in London for meetings with the Prime Minister and Foreign Secretary. That's a day after the UK rejected American concerns over Huawei's involvement in 5G here. And it's not the only cause of tension between the two countries right now. Our US correspondent David Gardner's in LA. David, there's a bit of a strain on relations between Downing Street and the White House right now, isn't there?
2: When Boris Johnson became Prime Minister, I guess we all thought that the special relationship between Britain and the US that had been somewhat fragile in recent years would be improved through his friendship with Donald Trump. But it hasn't necessarily worked out that way. First, there was the Anne Sekulis affair, the diplomat's wife who was involved in an accident with a teenage motorcyclist and then hot-footed it back to America. She's still there, uh, refusing to come back. Conversely, of course, there's the Prince Andrew and Jeffrey Epstein situation, where the FBI want Andrew to go over to the United States or at least acquiesce to an interview. So far, he's refused to do that. It reminds me somewhat of the whole situation in Love Actually, the movie, where Hugh Grant's prime minister stands up against the American president. In this case, of course, there's no David Beckham's left foot, maybe Harry Kane's hamstring. But, but it, it, it's a situation perhaps where Mr Johnson wants to show that he's not Donald Trump's puppet, that Britain has its own mind, and he doesn't want to be cast in the same kind of light as Tony Blair was with George Bush.
0: David, yesterday three Republican senators wrote to the Prime Minister warning that any post-Brexit deal could be threatened if Huawei was allowed to be part of the UK's 5G network. And yet it will be. So is that likely to have any impact?
2: There's certainly a very real possibility that the Americans will refuse to share intelligence with Britain. Britain's one of the so-called Five Eyes nations where they share, give-and-take intelligence information that may be of any mutual benefit. With America's suspicions about spyware involved in the Chinese technology, that may very well cause a problem. I I think it's unlikely that the trade deal will be threatened. Uh, There may be some sabre-rattling by Mr Trump, but he has an investment in dealing with Britain just as much as we have in dealing with him. At the end of the day, probably not enough to really fracture the special relationship, but it will test it some more.
0: Now. London's 100 Club is a place where you can take a risk, lay down a few pounds for a ticket, and you just might get treated to the next Louis Armstrong, David Bowie or Johnny Rotten. Every one of them has played its cavernous red basement, and now it's been given protected status, which will help it stay alive in a time when live music venues are struggling to survive. The Evening Standards arts correspondent Robert Dex is covering the story, and Robert, why does the 100 Club deserve this?
3: I mean, It's been a a huge part of London's music scene since 1942, which sort of speaks for itself. It started out as a jazz bar, um, and and there's a little bit of social history there, Um, a lot of the first crowd were American GIs wanting to hear the sort of music they heard at home, which meant American jazz came over, which meant British musicians and British fans heard that music, turned it around, did something a bit more bit different with it, and then you had the whole sort of jazz scene exploding after the war from that. I mean after that as well, I mean as if that wasn't enough. In the seventies it was one of the places to see, you know, punk bands when they started out. The Pistols, the Clash, the Buzzcocks, you know, the Jam, the Stranglers, they all played there. It just has a reputation for being a great place to see music. I mean, it's hard to believe now because the Stones seem to never stop touring, but there was a while in the 80s they didn't play. Um, they didn't play for about seven years apart from one gig, and that one gig was at the 100 Club.
0: So, Rob, this club's been given special status. Is this a sign that the city's finally protecting grassroots venues?
3: The Westminster deal, and it is Westminster Council that runs the scheme, does come with conditions... And I think the sticking point is the organisations that qualify for this rate relief must be not-for-profit. Now, I know local government is starved of, of money and they they don't give away cash easily. But um, I think at some point they're going to have to look at maybe some kind of rate relief, maybe not 100%, but on, on a sliding scale, to places that are for-profit venues, because things really are that difficult. Um, and they will lose these these venues um, if they don't do a bit more to help.
0: But in a social media world where YouTube makes stars, do new artists still need stages to perform in front of audiences?
3: I would say YouTube often makes a certain kind of star. And perhaps places like The 100 Club make a different type of star. Um, People who are perhaps more interested in the craft of live music than, say, what they can do in the studio. we will always need stages. I mean, it's not even actually just about live music. I mean, The 100 Club is famous for what being one of the first places to have a Northern Soul Night in London. Now, those Northern Soul records, you can hear them on the radio, you can go on YouTube. But the people who love that music want to be with other people who love that music. Listening to it at the same time, it's, it's that simple. So, yeah, we definitely need, we need venues like The 100 Club, but we need more to be done to help them.
0: And that's The Leader. Subscribe through your podcast provider and get in touch with us on social media with the hashtag The Leader Podcast. We publish every day at 4 p.m. So let us know what you'd like to hear. We'll be back tomorrow.